0: On the stage now i'm ready to rage now i feel like an almost stuck in the cage and i'm ready to break
1: out huh. bonjour how are you all good in the hood i hope and i'm feeling a little bit of deja vu and let me explain why i was streaming live the last nine minutes with my incredible train with j crew Um, until I realised that I was with my incredible Train With J crew and I was looking at the numbers and don't get me wrong, I'm always appreciative of anybody who tunes into my lockdown lives but it seemed today a little bit low, especially as I have a very special guest and as we were talking it did make me ponder and think this is the last time I'm going to get this guest on if if this is what happens. So without further ado, I don't want to talk down to my guest because my guest is pretty damn awesome and very good friend of mine, lots of knowledge bombs hopefully coming your way. It is none other than a very good friend of mine, Dr. Mike. Dr. Mike, how are you? I am fine, thank you. How are you? I am very well, thank you. And, and for those of you who it might look like we are next to each other, we're close, but we are within the social distancing guidelines. The benefits of having this custom long L-shaped table We didn't have COVID in mind when we built it. We weren't thinking about antisocial, but it does work out to be around two meters apart, which is fantastic. So how are you, Dr. Mike? I mean, one thing that I want to talk about is what's been going on the last couple of weeks with both myself and and you and just a little bit of your experience. um, Tell the beautiful people what's been going on and we'll start from there. Right. Well, not to start on a negative, but I have, uh, I've been
0: having COVID, I suppose is how, you would, how you'd say it. i spent the last couple of weeks uh, in my four walls, um, worrying about lots of things. Um, so I got COVID just at the end of October. Um, and then pretty much everybody who I care about also got COVID. Some of them from me, some of them just coincidentally at the same time. Um, and so it was a bit of a it was a bit of a rough four weeks. But thankfully, we're all feeling better now, uh, and uh, I'm feeling very grateful and positive. And um,
1: it might feel like a broken record because <coughs> we were already <laughs> talking a little bit. Um, about some of this stuff Mike but I think um, it's, it has been a very strange couple of weeks and I think as well like we were talking this morning about you know you, you think that the worst can happen then it just gets worse and then, then it's how to deal with these things and have you ever heard of something called the Kubler-Ross cycle Yep. so with that of course it goes through five stages of grief and what I've personally found is how they're relevant to any kind of, I mean, grief obviously of a lost one is gonna be very different to um, the pandemic period, but it's similar feelings, um, of course, because you know something that I think no one imagined in 2020 is that it would be like this, especially with how things are progressing in the world with technology, with communication, with everything else. And suddenly it feels like we're back in the 60s kind of thing with, you know this this unknown uh, reset kind of thing, and I think it's been a very hard thing for everybody to deal with in their own ways. And uh, and you know you were talking about something very interesting with regards to us, you know, being in different boats but in the same storm. And I uh, just wondering if you could elaborate a bit on what you meant by that. Yeah. So,
0: so I've always found grief to be a very fascinating emotion and not to be like a, you know, morbid or a pessimist about it. But I I think a lot of people imagine grief to be only really applicable to specific major life events, um, like loss of, you know, loved ones and and, and death and things like that. But actually grief can take us, um, through many things. Um, and it's, it, it can often just happen through any sort of loss and any sort of adverse event that we have in our lives. Um, And I think what's been really interesting about this whole period is that everybody um, has had different anxieties, different concerns, different worries. Um, And I think that one of the biggest problems and one of the things that often causes conflict between people is that they look at different people and see how they're reacting to their situations and think what they've got to worry about. Um, But I think it's really important that we understand that concept, that we are all in the same storm, but we are in different boats and we are in different situations but also that that doesn't really matter because and, and so one example that I'd give is that you know when I was when I was unwell and I, I was worrying about my own health I was also worrying about the health of, of people like my own loved ones as well and, and I had a lot of anxiety towards it and I'd be scrolling on social media and I, I would see sort of people you know complaining about things that seemed relatively trivial to me and I would think oh, you know I wish that was all I had to worry about at the moment but what I realise is it doesn't matter. Like, that, that person's worry about that thing is as big as my worry about my thing. Um, and just because I don't necessarily understand it, it doesn't mean that it's it's smaller or more trivial. And I think that people have to stop comparing each other's problems to their own um, because the most important thing is to just have some empathy, to, to understand about how people are feeling, not about why they're feeling that way, um, and to be kind about it because, you know, sometimes... Sometimes we try and reassure people by going, oh yeah, well, I've got it much worse. And that doesn't
1: really, doesn't
0: really that, work, that doesn't, does that, no. that
1: doesn't really help a situation. Not you know, it's all. this kind of fighting fire with fire never solves anything. It, it only tries to make the person that's firing it feel better. But yeah. then when they're both trying to do that, you know, it's that comparison is thief for Joy. I had the same problem when I left the army and I had some, some person panicking because I couldn't find staplers. And obviously I'd done... 18 months in Iraq and I was like, is this the biggest of your concerns and stress and looking at how this person, this was like the anxiety on their face because they couldn't find staples, was just unheard of. But then Mm -hmm. it took a little bit of time to have a bit of perspective to to understand that actually it's a blessing to have been through and done the things I have because it enables me to deal with the situations better and dealing with that empathy and now it enables me to understand that It doesn't matter as you said what is happening whether it's staples or a bomb going down by the side of you it's the same response feeling based on experience so if you are you know kind of playing at a higher level of perspective then i think it's your kind of duty and responsibility to firstly empathize that and and be to help people because if you are playing at a higher level then there's more people that need your help, and the good thing that I find about helping others is you help yourself a lot as well. Yeah. And So I, I was just gonna
0: say, like, I think what's really interesting is how you help people, because actually, at the end of the day, nobody wants to be getting anxious about staplers. Nobody wants that to be their life. And so, what? But what we often see people do is when you know the person who's in your position who had experienced you know more severe anxieties from from more dangerous events might then go and and use almost belittle it to that person because you want to make humor of it you want to make them feel better and often that ends up making them feel worse and I, i think what's really fascinating is how how you take somebody from being anxious about something that is trivial and that actually probably deep down they know is trivial, or might be even masking something that they're, something bigger that they're anxious about, but it's just easier to focus on, on those staplers, and to kind of, to take it out on the staplers, for example, um, and sort of figuring out, getting to the bottom of that. And I, I think that's what's really tricky, because I think we often risk alienating people by, by how we respond to their, to their problems, because often, often people, people, when they're feeling vulnerable, when they're feeling anxious, can take things on board like advice in a really negative way. And, and I've, I've even, you know, I've, I've, had, I've experienced that as a GP when, you know, when people have, have, you know, spoken to me really worried about a medical problem. And I know it's absolutely nothing to worry about. So I, you know, I want to dismiss it because I want to make them feel better. But then you, you get then on the other side of that, I went to see my GP, I went to talk about this problem that I was really worried about, and I felt belittled and I felt dismissed and I felt like they didn't care about my problem. And you wanna say, no, 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 that, was, you know, that wasn't it at all. I was just trying to make you feel better, but in, actually-
1: Obviously intentions and actions, they're two different things yeah, really, exactly. isn't it? And, and exactly. I think as well, it's, and I don't know why this come up, but it's just being able to see what the other person's thinking, which other, obviously people don't think like that, that yeah. often, especially, you know, I've got this quote, you can't see reflection in boiling water. Yeah. So you can't take yourself out of that moment to say, I'm being a dick. Yeah. And, you know, I've had a couple of those this week, which I spoke about and actually spoke about yesterday about having an argument with my wife about boxer shorts. And then suddenly having an argument about this, opening the door and the builders are sitting there, like standing there waiting to come in because they've decided not to come in because of the argument about boxers. And then suddenly in that moment, you realise we're having an argument about something that doesn't really matter. Yeah. Sometimes um, and, you need that reset, don't you? And it was the outside perspective yeah. of actually, you know, I say this kind of Truman show, if if, like, if you're watching this on TV now and these two are having this conversation, and we've all done this, you know, we watch reality TV and, and it captures that moment when these two people are arguing about something and then you're looking at it from the TV thinking, this is pathetic. Mm-hmm. But you're not actually realising the context of the situation. You know, for example, we, we've got the moment the I'm a celebrity thing and they're in Wales, they're cold, they haven't had much sleep, they're hungry. That is perfect environment for you know, trivial arguments. But then suddenly they'll edit and cut that at the right time, where all of us are being entertained by that and going, "I'd never do that. That's pathetic. How yeah. how stupid is that person?" When in actual fact, our day-to-day lives are filled with these moments. And you know, running a business, you have to sometimes deal with people's frustrations in the knowledge that they're angry because something's not working because they actually want to do something with it and they can't do it, and you've taken, you know, and you're the person to blame. And I think when I see a lot of anger online, I deal with it a lot better because, although at the moment it's directed at me, it's it's not personally an attack on myself. And I think this is something that a lot of people have to deal with, firstly online, if they're putting things out there. And of course, have to, I think it, taking yourself through these mental exercises really, really helps with your own self-development too. Yeah. And if, have you found that with your own social media over the last few weeks because of course, you've been stuck in your house. You have obviously added a little bit of extra time to social media a bit. and other things like that. Um, and I don't know about you, but very much the same. You know, I, I do spend a lot of time on social media. I was in self-isolation for two weeks and I was spending a lot of time on social media. And unfortunately, I was getting lots of traction because I was putting mm. on content out there. And then I started to notice over the days, my anxiety levels start to increase just slightly mm-hmm. over time, where, where I was getting to the point where I'm literally looking at the phone, like, why are you still on this? As if I'm trying to find something. And I think so many people ha- have probably felt that over the last few months, especially with, with COVID. Um, so have you found that on your own socials, Mike, with people's responses, with anger, and how you've kind of better or not, not better dealt with it? So
0: I I think that that to just to set up the background to to answering this question, I think I probably want to just mention a little bit about, I suppose, my emotional state over the last few weeks. And and the the things that were going through my mind is I was, when I started to get unwell, like, like you know obviously as a GP I've been keeping up with a lot of the news about Covid it's it's my job to know what's going on what the, the symptoms are what things are to look out for how to understand how people deteriorate and all of those sorts of things so I had a huge amount of personal anxiety about what was about to happen to me I, I know a lot of stories about very well healthy young fit people becoming seriously unwell so there was a, a, a certain amount of fear from that point of view I was worried for myself um as Other people that I knew started to get unwell as well. That just compounded it because I was, you know, every time I would reassure myself about how things were going with me, I would start worrying about one of my loved ones. And then when I reassured myself about that, it suddenly popped into my head about what about the other ones? And then what about this one? And then what about that one? And then, so there was a lot of worry, a lot of anxiety, a lot of sort of just feeling very, very low and thinking, well, you know, something bad's gonna happen and almost being certain of it. Um, The second thing that I was feeling as well was quite a lot of guilt. Um, You mentioned obviously that you were isolating for for two weeks. So you were one of the people who my COVID had an impact on completely separately. Um, But in addition to that, there were also other people who I had seen who I had either passed the virus on to, or at least, you know, as far as as much as we can know, I thought I had passed the virus on to, I was at least convinced of it myself, or people who had to isolate who were in incredibly precarious situations themselves where isolation was causing them a significant amount of heartache and distress due to their own circumstances. So I had this huge amount of guilt and, you know, on one perspective, we're in the middle of a viral pandemic people are going to catch the virus you know I didn't breach any of the rules so there was no reason for me to feel guilty when you think about it from a logical perspective but in reality when you know that because you went round to your friend's house for a cup of tea this is happening to them it's very difficult to kind of separate that so I had a lot of negative emotions going around my head and and not very many positive ones Um, so my goal almost the entire time was was two things. I was a, wallowing in in negativity and in self-pity because I just felt miserable. Um, I was unwell and I was also desperate for distraction. So I would put Netflix on and I would watch something light-hearted because that's normally what would cheer me up, but it would just make me angry because why are all these people laughing and why is everything so easy for them and, and I just, I don't want to look at these people and I don't want to, you almost, you want the distraction but you don't want to be distracted. So then I would turn to social media, I would be desperate for some, you know, some positive news on, you know, about the numbers or something, so I'd be scrolling Sky News which is an awful thing to do. I would be scrolling Twitter, awful thing to do, angry people, lots of, you know, lots of conflict. Um, I would scroll Instagram, I would just watch aimlessly, just be watching people's Instagram stories And, and it would be even people that I don't even know who they were some of the time. And I would just be just religiously just watching it because I was just, it was the only, all I wanted to do was pass time. And it's interesting to me because like, I talk a lot about habits and routines. I've obviously, you know, we've been friends for a long time. You know, a lot. Of, I, I follow the stuff that you say and, and I've, I've read some of the books that you've read, not quite as many as you have. And I know what you're supposed to do in these sorts of situations, but it just all flew out of the window. It was just, it was a, it was a really interesting lesson in how when you're feeling unhappy, how you lose the motivation to do what it takes
1: to fix those things. And as, that's really as tough. As Mike Tyson said, everyone's got a plan until they get smacked in the mouth. <laughs> and, you know, I, and once again, it's unfortunate, I'm very fortunate to have probably been taught this from the military and the fact that a lot of things that we do for many, many years with habits and routines and firing drills and, and everything else like that is anticipating something that's probably never going to happen but when it does what happens is it becomes second nature so obviously in the army what happens is you you spend years and years and years going through when a contact you know when suddenly you hear gunfire you all have to go hit the ground and then progress forward and you literally spend hours doing this till you're literally like driving a car so when it does happen you know you don't think about it you get smacked in the mouth and you just do and i think this this is something that People need to realise with habits as well. You know, habits aren't just for when you don't. You know, uh, I think as well. You, probably a good analogy of this with regards to uh, doctors is medication, where you get given something and it says to take it for thirty days. You feel better after a week and then you stop taking it. When in actual fact, you still need to take those pills every single day to make sure that you are fully better. And I think the same with habits is that. You, you know, everyone feels stressed in that, so everyone's downloading all the meditation apps and the stretching apps and doing all the things that they should have been doing six months ago, but because they weren't, didn't have the time or their lives, their social lives were busy, they, they didn't factor it in. And I think, you know, one, of the, one important thing to focus on it is these things, because they are the hardest things to do, and they're even harder to do when life gets in the way. For example, exercise you know probably now a lot of people struggle to get to the gym a lot of people struggle to exercise and when even when that's taken been taken away now good luck trying to start a new exercise regime now you know for someone who loves exercising like myself I still I find it difficult you know I find it difficult to factor it in so I can only imagine somebody who really struggles just to get to the gym would be feeling right now Um, and and what's the answer is you know I've come down to saying this over and over again the last few weeks is do hard things have an easy life do easy things have a hard life like everything at the moment is difficult to do which is why you should do it because now we're really going to be getting into the practice of discipline and actually eating shit. and um, a, a great example this morning i mean i usually get a wednesday text from dr mike which i haven't had for the last couple of weeks of course Um, to say uh, are you going to go for a walk tomorrow and my instant response was um, are you coming for a sea dip once again the reluctance not to because it's November it's cold and that but still doing it and miserable as Dr Mike was this morning when I saw him he jumped in the sea and funny enough what he didn't see was a massive smile on his face when he's walking out didn't quite
0: jump in though did I?
1: Didn't quite, a bit be, of a slow walk, did, like a of a slow walk in, but fully submerged and came out and I saw a yeah. smile on your face. Yeah, And it's really hard to explain to people about going through it, something that you don't want to do and it making you feel good at the end. And it comes back to that thing of no one regretted an exercise and I don't know any times where I've really got out of seeing gone that was a stupid idea. <laughs> I haven't you know I think one of the most fun times I had was when there was gale force winds it was hammering it down the sea was out so it wasn't you know I probably wouldn't have gone in if it was in because the waves would have been crazy but it was out uh, it was crazy and it was probably the most memorable fun times that I've had in the most horrible of storms and weathers and there's probably an analogy for that but I think it's just getting used to doing things regardless of how you feel. Because you know, something that I've said a lot with the difference between motivation and discipline is motivation is doing things when you feel like doing it, discipline is doing things regardless of how you feel. So on to discipline now, Dr. Mike, is there anything that you are disciplining yourself going forward to the end of the year to do that you might not necessarily want to do but doing anyway? Um,
0: I think I need to work on my screen time, and also I, I want to do a bit more reading. Um, I think it's kind of I think that I've had nothing but time to reflect on some of my own habits, and I think what I've got really good at over the last few years is is I've been really disciplined about things like you know nutrition and exercise and stuff like that because of you know from from lifestyle change and all of those sorts of things. And I think it's easy to focus on one aspect of things and think, therefore, that you're doing everything because I've been exercising three times a week. I've been, you know, eating sensibly and all of that sort of stuff. Um, so then it's it's easy to think, oh, I'm being disciplined. I'm, I'm, you know, doing all of the things that I want to do, but then also spending loads of time scrolling social media. And I think, like, on, on the other hand, I do think we need to cut ourselves some slack sometimes. I think, you know, when you're in the middle of a lockdown and you can't socialise with people you know our screens currently are a great window into the world in terms of how we socialise with others but I suppose what I'd like to focus on is using that a bit more positively like yes using it to communicate with my friends using it to communicate with people who I care about rather than using it to you know watch some random Instagram story of someone who I've never met or read through a thread of an argument with two people who disagree with each other about something that I didn't even care about 20 seconds ago. Um, because it, it it's very attractive. And I think like we know from, you know, from documentaries like The Social Dilemma and books like, um, is it called Digital Detox? The Cal Newport? Yeah. yeah. Um, we know from stuff like that, that social media is designed to take our attention away from what we're doing and put it into something that is useless or something that will cost us money um and actually we need to we need to remember that we are not immune to that because i think i've 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 previously thought well yeah but that's for other people i don't sit and scroll through facebook watching videos of cats but actually that would probably be more positive than scrolling through twitter and watching people argue with one another or because it collecting fragrances. men's fragrances dr mike collecting men's fragrances which is which was a really
1: useful hobby right before i lost my sense of self <laughs> um, that's the old comeback, is that isn't it so for those you don't know lockdown 1.0 dr mike got into a bit of an obsession with men's fragrances because you could buy it was it little tester bottles or something? yeah so basically like I've always I've always thought it's really important to
0: smell excellent so I've and I I got this from my dad my dad has always like worn really nice aftershaves and stuff like that so I always you know knew like it's a gentlemanly thing to do it's something that you know I want I always want to smell good um so I've always liked that and then I I used lockdown one I remember thinking like it's really annoying you can't I want to go and buy a new aftershave but I can't because the shops are closed um, so I started watching YouTube videos of reviews of, of fragrances and it was just fascinating to watch these people like it was fascinating to watch someone describe what something smells like and think I still have no idea what it smells like um, and I realized you can order little like two mil samples of loads of fragrances so I just started doing that to, to sort of test out different fragrances and, and, and try different stuff and I found loads of things um, and I, I ended up buying quite a few new ones and, and it was really cool because I was sort of like, I really like this. It's co- and it's a really, I kind of felt it's a really healthy habit. It's not like trying new gins because, you know, gin isn't always the healthiest of habits to have and trying new foods and all of that sort of stuff. It's like it's got no calories in it. It doesn't make you unwell in any way. It doesn't have an impact on you, on your a negative impact on your health or anything like that. So I was like, this is brilliant. And then I've just lost my sense of smell, so that's interesting.
1: I think with any new habit or obsession, it needs to bring value to people, so to kind of have that, I think it's important now to give us your top three oh God. men's fragrances. And here's, here's the thing, here's the challenge, right? It's men's fragrances for women, Okay. okay? Men's, so it's not about what... So ones that you get compliments from? from ones, women. like three that you've seen which yeah. get the most compliments from women. So they're so ladies, if you're buying um, men's aftershave or whatever for your other half, it's secretly for you because these make you smile more than them. Does that make sense? That's right, is that, is that yeah. a true representation of it? Yeah. So give us three of your top Men's fragrances or men's colognes for women? Uh, it's interesting, actually.
0: Um, I think I will. I'll try and do a mix of budgets because it's tricky. I think um, you can't go wrong with um, with a Chanel fra- with Bleu de Chanel or Allure Homme Edition Blanche. <laughs> those, those, those <laughs> you've been doing, right doing you've been doing your elocution lessons exactly. on these things, yeah. um, I think that those, the Chanel fragrances tend to be quite like masculine and quite classic. So Bleu de Chanel, the Parfum is, I think, brilliant. Um, also, uh, Vetiver 46 by Le Labo, which is really expensive, so I've got a little tiny bottle of it. Um, and, but if you don't want to spend as much money on it, you could get Grey Vetiver by Tom Ford, which is one of his less expensive fragrances. Um, and that's a really kind of classic sort of masculine one. Um, and then I need to think of a third and I want to be a little bit more out there. Um, so I'm going to go for one that's actually, a, I'm going to go for a low budget one that I think is one of the, uh, I don't know that it's, the, I reckon Burberry Touch or Individuel by Montblanc. Those are two that you can get for like 25 quid and they're really nice, but very, very different. Touch is a very like, it's a bit more feminine, like it's kind of like almost like a cottony sort of smell. Um, but the Mont Blanc one's a bit more classic. Those are a bit boring. I've got more interesting ones, but you shouldn't recommend interesting ones to
1: See, people. See, th- this also, those and those, when I ask for three, I get nine from Dr. Yeah. Mike. And uh, when we used to do taste tests and gin tests, you know, we couldn't get a straight answer because it was very hard for him to make a, a definitive decision on these things.
0: I'm not a slave to the rules.
1: We are going to be entertaining you, hopefully over Christmas. We will be, um, I think what we'll do is we'll have a plan of action for maybe a Friday live where, or or a Thursday or or whatever, where we review certain things. We go from budget to baller and we'll review different foods and and other things. Obviously not booze because I'm not drinking until next year, Um, but we will come up with things because Iceland have got some next level things in. Have they? Well, they did that before they closed. I think I sent you some of them. Is Iceland closed? No, Iceland's open. Is Iceland open? Is it it open. Oh, that's yeah. the supermarket. Who goes to Iceland? <laughs> mums. No. Mums go to you know, Iceland. Do you want maybe to hear a bit dance.
0: of Iceland trivia? Yes. Give so, me some Iceland apparently, trivia. Apparently, the range is allowed to be open now because, because... it's got a cafe in it. No, because it's got an Iceland in it. Oh. Someone told me that. It might not be true. Don't open them. <laughs>
1: Right, Dr Mike, any passing thoughts before we end today's lockdown live? Any uh, words of wisdom for people to take into their weekend? I know it's only Thursday, but have an early ponder.
0: I think just my, one of my biggest learning points that I've had over the last week, and I will be writing about this in my weekly email today, is about how our environment is, is a real construct. And if we, when we build our own environment like we do on places like social media, we think that the whole world is what we're seeing on social media. So when we see everyone arguing or everyone being angry and miserable, we think everyone is angry and miserable. When we see everyone being happy, we think everyone is happy. So make sure that you are curating your environment, I would say. That's what I, am, that's what I intend
1: to do a bit more of in the coming it's a bit like my sign out of the front that says environment dictates performance. It is,
0: isn't it? How, uh, how convenient.
1: Control your environment or your environment will control you. Yeah. Uh, and on that note, Dr. Mike, thank you ever so much for coming in today and, exactly. and dropping the wisdom bombs. Ladies and gents, that is it for today's Lockdown Live. I am going to be spending the rest of the day or at least the next four or five hours just chilling out, trying to stay off social media. got a couple of posts to do and then I'm out the door. Hopefully you enjoyed this, and I'm gonna be back at 9.30 tomorrow. I was meant to be at 9.30, but unfortunately, a little bit of a technical error going live in my Trainman J group. Not that I, I'm i particularly bothered because there's lots of awesome legends in there. But thank you ever so much for tuning in. I will be back at 9.30 tomorrow, and I'll speak to you very, very soon. Adios, amigos. We're reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We know what it takes.